I want to try pistachio. There you go. Pistachios. I want to say pistachios. I want to try pistachio ice cream. I want to try. I want to. I want to try pistachios. Pistachios. and gentlemen, boys and girls, all around the world, we present to you another ripping edition of the Dan vs. D Sports and Stuff Podcast DVD, as in DVD player. I'm your player, D with two E's, and always by my side is Dan with an A-N. Oh yes, Dan the man he can. So, welcome back everybody. It's um, been a while, where should we begin? It feels like forever. Which was just a couple months. That seems to be about our average, honestly. Well, more than a couple months, man. Like no, it was June twenty third. Was the last one for real? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. We were we were recapping the NBA finals. Yeah, and I was just quoting Creed. You were. (laughs) I was just to Creed earlier at work, so I was just like, yeah. (laughs) It's not the first time you quoted that song either. Actually, I love I love that song. But enough of the digression. We're back. We are back, man. Um. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I guess since we've last been on, the biggest thing is, like, NBA free agency, which we'll get to. That free Um, agency. We're um, we're gearing up for football season. I don't think we'll do a full NFL preview this episode, just because that will take a long time. Yeah, and plus we're still waiting on, like, a few more, like, um, uh, injuries to happen, I guess. (laughs) Right, Because, you know, people are trying not to get hurt, you know, the whole practice. You know, you got a few, like... You're going to always have those few people that have, like, those uh, season-ending uh, uh, injuries uh, right before they even get to week one and stuff, which is depressing as hell, honestly. Yeah. I, I always hate that, you know. Someone tears the ACL in practice, and, ugh, it's just, it's just horrible. Yeah, um, Boogie Cousins tore his ACL in practice. Yeah, that made me sad. Um... What else happened? Um, oh, we we are now we are in a new decades in our lives now. Both of us, me last month and uh, him this month. Yeah, yeah, just a few weeks ago, I turned twenty years old. Hard to believe. <laughs> man, quit fronting, man. I, I'm gonna wear it with as a badge of honor. I turned thirty, man. <laughs> I, I earned that thirty. <laughs> and I turned thirty-two months old. <laughs> I'm actually like three. <laughs> Do you need me to like change your diaper or something, man? <laughs> no, we are uh, we are both proud, uh, t- I guess, trigenarians. Man, an octogenarian would be a eighty-year-old, so we would man. be trigenarians. I'm not rushing for that. <laughs> no, we are not octogenarians just yet. Good. Uh, starting to feel like it. Yeah, um, I, I definitely feel like still thirty. Like, like I, I feel that that weird thing. Like, I'm young enough to like do most things in, in this world, but like, I can't do the things like I used to when I was back when I was fifteen. <laughs> I, I, mean, I actually a funny story. Um, I, I when I played, uh, it was like Easter. I think it was Easter, right? And I played uh, basketball with both my younger nephew and cousin, yeah. who were like fifteen. Um, I think my nephew was. 14. Are they are they old enough that they smoked you for the first time? Well, no, they like I won, but I was sore for like the next like two or three days playing against people half my age. Wait a wait a couple years when they beat you for the first time. That's when you're gonna be like, damn, it's all downhill from here, man. You know what? And I I'll be open to embracing that because. At my age, I'm not supposed to keep up with the youth because that's not my job. Like like a uh, pro uh, pro uh, ball players. No, fair. fair. So, <laughs> can you imagine though? Like if we are we are at the age now, we are like considered over the hill in for run as if, if we were, were running backs. I mean, honestly, if we were athletes in general, I mean, that's kind of 
That's kind of the plateau in like most sports. Is thirty. But um, but prime though, in, in um, unless you're a pitcher, like in baseball, because like people people will play to like thirty five or forty. Yeah, but generally speaking, the prime for a baseball player is like twenty three through probably thirty. Mm. Um. So Man. you know. And we're ancient if we want to get into like, uh, you know, major league gaming. The prime of that's like twenty two or something. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. no uh, the prime of that I think is like nineteen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, I suppose like your twitch muscles don't degenerate quite as much as you get older, or do they? Or I, th- I think it's more like the mind too. I'm sure that there hasn't been a lot of studying done into that yet, but I'd be curious to see like probably more than we think. Yeah, I'd be curious to see, like, as the years go on, yeah, if there actually is a point at which esports athletes age out. Because I remember this one guy, I forgot his name, but he was part of Evil Geniuses, EG, and they called him, like, Old Man Dota. And he, like, they actually finished, I think his group finished, like, second or third in the championships. And that was cool. I think they won it one year, too. So, yeah. They called him Old Man Dota at age 27. Because <laughs> I, I sort of suspect that, like, the way the sport is structured now, that people age out much more because it's just incredibly stressful and so little actual return yeah, there's no, for your efforts. there's no money. Like, um, they, we talked, like, we actually mentioned it, like, uh, towards the end, like, episode 12, like, we do this, like, for the love of the game, and we kind of reference the game, uh, uh, Major League Gaming as well. Right, uh, yeah. uh, Unless you're the absolute best, there's no money in it for yeah. you. The grind is very difficult. You, you're, you're like, uh, you resemble like an indie wrestler now, just trying to get, get, get a start. Because you hear the stories about guys, like, guys and girls, like, um, living out of their car and stuff, My sharing like a, a small apartment with people and traveling like hours to do a match and come like get paid just $50 and come back just for the opportunity to someday make it a career. No, I mean, look at minor league baseball players who are paid like $12,000 a year or something um, for the most part. Uh, obviously, if you're a high draft pick, you get a big signing bonus. But and so you're able to live off that for a while. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a guy who got drafted and didn't get a signed bonus or just signed on, you know, was recruited by somebody. Yeah, no, you get paid like 10,000 bucks a year. Dang. And uh, it's almost nothing. Um, Is that with or without tax? Without. So yeah, you have like six guys living in like a two bedroom apartment and shit like that. On a lot of, like honestly, I would bet you a lot of the guys playing for the grasshoppers here do that. And uh, living um, off of ramen? I mean, gosh. Uh, some, like, when you get into, like, unaffiliated ball, like, uh, independent league teams, a lot of times they'll have, like, host families in the city who are literally just, like, uh, like wealthy people who live in the city who are just like, yeah, I'll let a minor league ball player live with me for a month because they just literally can't afford to pay the players enough to even afford rent. So don't some and don't some of these guys even like have like jobs or something? Yep. Too? Oh yeah, <laughs> most of them do. They go home and they have summer jobs in the off season, or not summer jobs, but like winter jobs in the off season. Jeez. Um, wow. A lot of times it's like coaching or whatever. Ah, the um, grind is real. Yeah. Anyways, that was sort of a long uh, tangent. So I guess we'll uh, we'll just roll on to our first segment here. Okay. Um, Yo, did I just see uh, um, what's his name? What? The one in the middle there. Phil Collins? Phil Collins, that's his name. <laughs> it's Phil Collins. I can hear it coming in the, the air tonight. I can hear my penis coming in the air tonight. I'm not going to be at that spot to like catch that. So you're on your own, dude. <laughs> well, that's the first thing we're cutting. Oh, look, you spelled whiskey. I spelled everything. Whiskey. So whiskey, whiskey. Yes. Yeah, I'm drinking whiskey, by the way. The Clippers. Uh. All right, so, uh, let's sh** all over the Browns. <laughs> the Browns. That's yeah. my take. Okay, so, here, I haven't really been watching a whole lot of ESPN, but, like, see my... A lot of times I have been, uh, lately I have been seeing um, them doing these segments 
all day Super Bowl bound, all day this and that, and blah blah blah, and this and that, and I'm I'm like, I, when you told uh, approached me and said, hey, I'm, uh, let's talk about the Browns, like uh, like when you said like, hey, I, I want the like I want the Browns to not do so hot, I was thinking like, yeah, let's talk about them, because here's the deal, NFL hype is. Probably one of the most dangerous things. Yes. Countless times. How many? How many times have we every every year have we had a team get hyped up to oblivion just to fall flat on their face? Think about it. Remember when the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple years back made that surprise run the AFC Championship game and was one quarter away to making it to the Super Bowl. And everyone was like, all right, they're back. And then what happened in the, the following year? They believed in their own hype and they fell flat on their face. Yes. Remember the um, the 2008 uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the quote-unquote dream team. What happened there? Eight and eight, no playoffs. Yes. Remember when the Patriots was one game away from immortality and we were thinking, oh, it's okay. We'll run the table next year. First play, Bernard Pollard undercuts Bray from behind his knee, tears his knee up, gone the whole year, no playoffs for the Patriots. And that inexplicably gave Matt Castle an NFL career, so it was a double disaster. <laughs> Get your money. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> when you're hyping, hyping up teams, football is probably the worst sport to like hype up a team because... You're like one one bad foot plant on the ground or one bad hit away from your your season ending. Cuz think about it, what if Odell Beckham Jr. gets lost for the year? What if they lose their quarterback in Baker Mayfield? Right. What happens to the team? Well, like honestly, <laughs> football is such a high variant sport that like what if the Browns just have bad luck in their first 3 games and play well and then just come up a couple inches short each time? And are zero and three, you know. That's football. But so I'm gonna I'm gonna call I'm gonna call somebody out here. The Ringer is a fantastic website, but they are a hundred percent playing on this for clicks. So I'm just gonna read you some headlines from the Ringer, and we're gonna laugh at them. I'm not like I'm not liking the title already. So I'm they're literally like, they're literally running. Let's see here. Uh, Hold Are on, these all on. articles? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Trust the Browns Process Week. So oh, they're no. literally running articles about the Browns all this week, and it is, it's a little much, people. So, we are recording, right? We're yes, recording. we are. Cool. You got a pipe bomb, dude. Go for it. The Browns brought the process to the NFL. Surprisingly, it worked. Uh, Did it work? It hasn't worked yet. They haven't posted a winning record yet. Like, the whole point of the process is to win the championship. It's to get, it's to, it's to say, it's better to be at the bottom and then at the top to be in the middle. That's the argument. Yeah. The Browns are not at the top. They have not won the championship. If the Browns have a winning record the next three years and don't win the Super Bowl, I would still consider this a failure. Because if you tank and you're that bad on purpose, then you need to win the championship. That's how you make up for it. Yeah, and here's the thing, like all this this hype is inexplicable. Didn't we just aren't we like just two years removed from them being 0 16? Right. And they're trying to crown these people preseason Super Bowl champions? Get the hell out of here, man. They haven't even been to the playoffs since what, early two thousands? I don't even remember because it's been so long. Yep. And then what they thought uh then they won what? Six, seven games last year? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Which is and much played, better than what they, they did, usually do. They did play well when Mayfield took over, but still, but, it's like, you can't... I mean, just like, there's no guarantee that this that the 49ers are going to be good with Jimmy G this year. There's yeah. no guarantee. You saw him throw, in, throw in an ugly interception that, that preseason yeah. game? So, <laughs> like, it's just... We, it's too much, man. We're talking about the Browns here. We're talking about the Browns... One of the one of the most cursed franchises, like ever, 
And we're talking about, we're trying to put them into the Super Bowl as if they are like the Patriots. The Patriots are consistent with success. Browns consistent with failure. And all of a sudden, because, because you get a few good players, now you're going to uh, just kick them up to, to the stratosphere. They've had talent in the past. They've signed great players in the past. What did that get them? No playoffs. Getting spanked by the Steelers twice a year. Like, let's understand. Before we want, before you put them in the Super Bowl or even in the AFC Championship uh, consideration, let's. Why don't we make things more realistic? Like, make the playoffs. I would like, say is a successful season. For win them. your division. Okay. That like, if they were hyping up, oh, we're gonna win a division. That's cool. Oh, we're going to get into the playoffs. That's cool. But when you're talking about AFC Championship game and you're talking about Super Bowl, that is going into fantasy land. Because yeah. that means you're, you're hyping yourself up to be as great as the Patriots, as great as the Chiefs. I mean, think about it. If you put that team in the playoffs, can they beat those teams? Can they beat New England? That's what I'm saying. Is their offense good enough? Is Baker Mayfield good enough to uh, um, to work through uh, and a scheme like Bill Belichick's defense? Well, can he? Can they outscore the Chiefs? Can they? Can they slow down the Chiefs? Can they even still beat the Steelers because they haven't proved they can beat them like twice in a year yet? Well, so that's what I'm saying. It's entirely possible that they do have the goods and that Baker Mayfield is that good, but we don't know yet. Go win those 11 and 12 games and have a signature playoff win, then call it a success. It is not a success right now. I want to be clear about this. Let's read some more headlines. I don't want to. The great tanking debate. Which GM did a better job, Sashi Brown or Sam Hinkie? Oh man! Holy crap! Sam Hinkie's back! He's back on the podcast, dude! They better, they better it's not. Been, it's been like a year. No, it's been two years. It's been two years. Sam Hinkie! And Sam Hinkie's back! How dare they besmirch the name, the great prophet Sam Hinkie, man. Sashi Brown ain't, can't even hold Sam Hinkie's jock strap and tanking, man. I was going to say They that. had to literally fire him and bring in Brian Colangelo to stop tanking. Sashi Brown just like by default well, tank because they're, because they're the Browns. Let's let's not let's not forget that they brought in Colangelo over Hinky and Hinky resigned because he was like, screw this. My authority <laughs> here is being usurped. Because I don't want to trade down and acquire more draft picks. His, hey, his work had already been done. His work had already been done. It's all the losing on purpose. Like, Sashi Brown, like, they were already losing on purpose, man, before all that. So, really, was it just the Browns? Was it, was, it was it Browns doing it or was it just the Browns being the Browns? Because you can't, you cannot, you cannot uh, script what Sam Hinkie did, man. No. Like, he just straight up just tore it down and kept it torn down. He tore he, that team he refused. He and refused like intentionally to... drafted injured players, brought in guys that no one had heard of. Like straight like it was literally just like out of freaking um out of major league. It was like God Well at least he got like uh he helped uh people like T J McConnell maintain jobs and get jobs elsewhere who didn't have a uh, originally have a chance. But Sam Hinkie would literally trade and get uh, get bricks Put them to the side and refuse to use the bricks to build the house. Yes. So. Like, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> Behind Baker and OBJ, the Browns are ready to become the NFL's next big thing. Again, are they really? Or are we getting a little ahead? Like, they I, I have the I potential. Have much, I don't have as much of an issue with this one because they say the Browns are ready. I would agree that they're ready. Yeah, they're ready. If they, if they if they took out ready to become and just said are the NFL's next big thing, I then would I'll say it. no. I would just crap right. on that. Saying the already that is making note of potential, and I like that. Yeah. But all the Browns are right now is potential. Every year they've had potential, but let's be honest. They're the Browns are still the Browns until they prove us wrong and make a playoff berth, man. Yes. Uh, like why? Why are people trying to crown them? Is it, is it because they're underdogs and they want they want to crown an underdog so bad and want them to succeed so badly that and, and, and it's a team that is like the opposite of the New England Patriots. 
I guess. Like, are we like Apollo Creed and they and they are Rocky from the first movie? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, think about. So remember when? Remember when the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, kind of had their sort of like analytics-driven resurgence, and they drafted Kutch. Oh, and, I love uh, Kutch. They oh, literally had with 20, the Braves, though. They literally had twenty straight <laughs> losing seasons and had not sniffed <laughs> at the playoffs in two decades. Didn't the, didn't the Tigers and, have a similar fate too? Yeah, a long, a long <laughs> while ago, but. Um, but, you know, a, like, historically downtrodden franchise kind of coming back. And it was cool to see the Pirates be good. And then it they was. got completely screwed over by that one year where the Central had three, like, 97-plus win teams. And they got screwed over in the wild card it's, game. It's the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, because that was when Jake Arrieta was on that run. And he shut them out in the wild card game. And, uh, uh, ah, damn it. The guy on the team punched the Gatorade cooler. Anyway. <laughs> um, but here we go. Next next headline. A Browns fan comes to grips with the Browns being cool. The Browns aren't cool yet. Not cool yet. Win games. Then you're cool. Like, I can... Wait. Are they trying to, like... Is, is being a Cleveland fan trendy? Because... That's not... Like, that is not a... Tr- like, the Browns are not a trend that you chase... If you're it's a true, not. if you're a true Browns fan, it's a way of life. You don't have to talk about you liking the Browns. You are the Browns. You eat, sleep, and breathe the Browns. If you are a true diehard fan, this is like somebody just trying to, uh, trying so hard to fit in a party, man. Yeah. Come on. It's like the Browns are already cool. If you are a diehard fan, even if they are like, like disappointing you and whatnot, they you. That is your team, and that is and that is your life. So it's automatically gonna be cool. Yeah. Because that's a part of you. This sounds like a guy who's trying to jump on the Browns bandwagon. Yeah. And it's a cool <laughs> article. So uh, the Ringer is a fantastic website. We're just having a little fun here. I'm yeah. actually, as a as a mild apology, I'm gonna put links to all of these articles in the uh, in the episode description. Go read them. It's a lovely website. I clown on it a little bit. Also, seriously, that was really annoying when, like, the NBA Finals were going, or the NBA Playoffs were going on, and, like, half their articles are about Game of Thrones. That was annoying, too. Um, But whatever. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. You monologue about it for a minute, because honestly, I'm so fed up, I'm just done with him as a top. Where do I begin? Like, Well, his name he, is Antonio Brown. His name is Antonio Brown. He's one of the best like wide receivers of our generation, okay? Um, the title of this episode now is going to be called Antonio Frown. He's a clown. Like he's Antonio Clown. He's literally a clown. For for God's sake, man. He went he was like cosplaying uh like facial wise, he was cosplaying as the Lorax. When he dyed his beard into a mustache? <laughs> Look it up. Right now. Right no, I've now. Seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. No, I just has she seen it. Show Shelby. Like Shelby, she's like in the background just chilling with us while we yeah. do our thing. You need to show her that. Show her Antonio Brown look like the Lorax, man. It's gonna be a live reaction. Yes, it, it it is. It is horrible, man. This is like add to like the laundry list of problems this guy has. What? <laughs> Which one you pull up? What? Yes, he's the Lorax. Who told him that was okay? His Who brain told him, told him that. that? Was his that his brain told him to do that. No, is, exactly. His brain is wrong. His brain is wrong, and just like how wrong it is when he gave himself a nickname, and you know what that nickname was? He called himself Mister Big Chest. He's a wide receiver. He's not like a bodybuilder. His chest ain't all that big. I mean, it's probably bigger compared to me, you know, or, or you know, a regular civilian. But he nicknamed himself Mr. Big Chest. How lame of a nickname is that? <laughs> Mr. Big Chest. Now, I mean, if I inexplicably got a boob job, you could call me Mr. Big Chest. <laughs> 
was about as bad as like Le'Veon Bell's like hip hop album. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Mr. Big Chess, that sounds just about as bad as Le'Veon Bell's hip hop album. <laughs> oh my god, that was a thing, wasn't it? Yes, he has an album. Dude, you know what we should do? We should track it down and review it. I think I don't think you have to go far. I think you just gotta look on YouTube. I don't think I wanna listen to it because I don't want my ears to bleed. I mean Come on, dude. You know that like this is this is our shtick is terrible, horrible thing. I mean, I heard like a song, uh, I think a snippet of a song of him while he had like a compilation of him working out and training camp. And I was just like, and I just turned to like my girlfriend. I was like, yeah, this is horrible. And she agreed. I was like, no, don't search Le'Veon Bell. This is about, no, this no, is, no, no, no we're this, doing it. We're this is about, it. this is about Mr. Big Chess. No, we're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. Even Luther Vandross is like about to laugh at this. My internet won't cooperate. It's so horrible. Is it this? I don't know. He has like a couple music Juice videos. Juice Le'Veon Bell. You probably just came back from a transition because I didn't include the song in the episode. But uh, but D and I just uh, apropos of nothing decided to go and uh, appreciate some of Le'Veon Bell's hip hop career and oh man you know what Antonio Brown don't sound too bad at least he's at least he's entertaining like at least Antonio at least Mr Big Chess is entertaining that like was <laughs> you were talking about Antonio Brown I completely AKA the Lorax AKA Mr Big Chess. <laughs> What kind of nickname is that? Like, I, I remember your name Tree was like, what the hell kind of nickname is that? As you just yeah, said. Yeah. And he is a Steeler fan. Can you imagine being a Steeler fan with, with the dismantling and the melting of this team? They just disintegrated with their own personality. That got taken apart because it drastically underperformed every year. Le'Veon smoking weed and holding out because he thought he was worth more than that. And then he ended up taking like... Not a modest deal with the Jets, so he can rot there, and then <laughs> and then Brown just plays himself out of Pittsburgh, where well, he's gonna play with an inferior quarterback. So, but like, let's let's dwell on Mr. Big Chest for a second. <laughs> I'm not gonna get over that. I'm sorry, man. The Big Fundamental is a better nickname than that, and he's got five championships. Yeah. No, he's really good. Tim Duncan is going to be a legend with no asterisk. Antonio Brown's going to be one of the greatest. Uh, he, he's going to be given the T.O. treatment. It might. It'll one take the, him one years. One of the greatest to never get a ring. It, yeah, not only that, but he will be like, when the committee votes on him, he is not going to get in for years just because of him just being perceived as a diva. He's, I think he's more of a, I think he's being perceived more as a diva than like, you know, Keyshawn Johnson. Who wrote a book called "Give Me the Damn Ball"? It's true. I mean, e even Keyshawn Johnson was able to get a job at ESPN and hold that down for a while, so he wasn't a complete and utter diva to like, keep him from getting other jobs. Oh, you know, when he retires, somebody will put him on TV. Yeah, because it's compelling. But at least he, he seemed like he kind of mellowed out, though. Yeah, it's like and Terry Brown seemed like he he seems like a guy who is. He sounds like he's in. He's acting like he's in his early twenties, even though he, but he's like twenty nine or thirty now. Yeah. So he doesn't seem like he is mellowed out or as humble like a usual thirty year old. He just seems like he's like a man child, and like the whole helmet issue. I haven't read much on it, but I heard he's like threatening to retire. He's not going to freaking He's not going to retire. And then the That's whole thing. BS. Then he had the whole frostbite thing. You know. <laughs> like with his feet. I don't know if it was that or something else. His, or his, cryotherapy. Whatever. His, his jacked up foot where there's just like a giant triangle of skin missing. Like already Mike Mayock, the general manager, is fed up with him. Him and John Gruden. You guys brought him in. You brought this mess into your team, which was already a dysfunctional mess anyway because you had John Gruden got him out of retirement to coach your team and trade um, um, Khalil Mack and just dismantle your team and whatnot and and still choose to stay with uh, Derek Carr. So y'all already was like a, a, th a three-ring three circus anyway. So I love it. Like, I love it. This is what the Raiders should be. But this is, this is more... 
there should always be one team that is just catastrophically like under poorly managed. But that's the Cowboys. That's well, the, the Dallas Cowboys. No, but the Cowboys have been good recently, though. Yes, because Ezekiel Elliott, who they although don't want to pay. Although they've like continually lucked into generational talents, so you know. Yeah. You know who else lucked into like generational talent? The Detroit Lions. And see how well that worked out. Zero championships. It's true. But like the Raiders, though, this is even like crazy even for them. When the when the coaching staff is already like getting sick of hearing the Antonio Brown antics, night well before week one, it's gonna be a long season, and it's it's uh, gonna be a fun season. It's gonna be they gonna be meme central. As someone who roots for chaos. It's going to be a fun season. Like, I love the fact that they've signed John Gruden forever when the guy has no freaking idea what he's doing. Spider 2. <laughs> Spider 2, and he's going to whack Jared Carr in the nuts with a pool cue. Dang. With a, with a pool noodle. Dang. That's what I meant. Not a pool cue. Dang. But I guess what it's all said and done is like, I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been said about Antonio Brown. It's just... I just wish he would just shut up and just go ahead and do his job. Because, like, it's just getting... It's, it's getting mind-numbing and it's, it's just exhausting. getting old. It's exhausting to read about him every day. It's, it's as exhausting as LeVar Ball. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's like... Actually, LeVar is still, like, pretty... pretty. It's much worse still. Yeah. Because he was hyping himself up and hyping his kids up. Which, I understand you want to do that, but him saying that he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, come on, man, get off like, it. No. <laughs> and Stop. As you said, 2024, man, like, he'll he'll be a general manager, and he'll be coming off the bench, and, like, all three of his kids, actually, nope, that, that dream can't happen now, because nope, uh, Lonzo's not Lonzo a just got traded tra- to the Pelicans. <laughs> Let's talk about let's talk about NBA free agency, which is basically just going to cover the rest of these topics because we're going to get to all of these teams. Okay. Um, so, uh, so let's see. The dominoes all fell. Uh, AD did get traded. He went to the Lakers. Lakers. No shocker. Um, no shock there. The Lakers mortgage like just sent everything over pretty much, except for Kyle Kuzma. Um, they, they did keep Kyle Kuzma. I like Kuzma. Um, He's great. They signed Boogie Cousins, who then tore his ACL. Can't predict that. So now they have no center. AD does not want to play center. He does not want to be considered a center. They're um, debating on getting Dwight Howard, and we know how that happened. How that worked out the first time around. I want it. I want the chaos, man. Give me all of the chaos. Talk about a talk about a waste of talent, Dwight Howard. He was like one of the. He was considered as one of the best centers, like one in the league. Now he's like disposable. I mean, I think he also like came along at the exact wrong time, and that his career started when his skill set was highly valued, and then over the course of his career, the league has transitioned away from players like him. But even if that makes sense. Yeah, that that is true. Also, it does not help that he's a locker room cancer. Nobody yeah. wants anything to do with him. By, no one don't even want to give him a chance. By all accounts, literally no one wants to go. Charlotte didn't him. even want him. Yep. Charlotte didn't even want him. Do you know how bad that is? The Hawks didn't want him. <laughs> He's bounced around on like every bad team in the last few years. Yeah, it's so sad. Man. And he was the centerpiece of like a great team. The Orlando in Magic. Early, in his early years, yeah. That was a fun team to By watch. By the way, I didn't realize this at the time, but like that team that made the finals with like Hito Turkoglu and Turkoglu. all those guys. Rashard uh, Lewis. And Rashard Lewis. Like that team was actually kind of a pioneer of this style of like mostly shooting threes and dunks. Threes, dunks, and free throws. So were they ahead of time? Yeah. Yeah. Um,. And I think that was sort of the like pop theory at the time for why they couldn't win at all was uh, they, was that they, they shot too many threes, they shot too many threes, which is just stupid. But. Well, the only thing is, all you gotta do is just hit uh, hit a few more than you miss, uh, like hit, uh, hit a few more of those uh, that would would have been misses, and then you become the Warriors, right? <laughs> or, you know, or you know, don't miss twenty seven threes in a row in a in a like playoff game. You're never gonna let that. Don't go, freaking are you? do that. You're not going to let that go, are you? 
I mean, bro, like the statistical like you've never of that said happening. bro like that. That's cool, like bro, bro, bro. There's a there's a wrestler named uh, uh, Matt Riddle. He's known as the original bro, and he says bro, bro. He he honestly looks like our friend Moser. Like if he was like a hippie and also like an MMA fighter. I like it. Yeah, I know, right? But but all I'm saying is the statistical likelihood of that happening is like like it's astronomical and it happened. Like probably you and like it would take some doing for you and I to miss twenty three so twenty well, twenty seventh for 27-3, sentences and predicates, subjects and predicates, man. <laughs> More than a small amount of whiskey has been consumed tonight. I'm just going to say What the hell was I saying? You, uh, uh, the, astro- it was just the, the odds were astronomical for the Rockets to miss 27 threes in a row, That's and they did trying, That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> that is so ridiculously out of the realm. Like, I don't even know. You can't even correct for that as, like, a general manager. Like, it just happened. And it's, ter- well, not did, terrible, but did, it's... Did a, did, it absolutely did cost them a championship, but what the hell are you going to do, man? Did the did a fan, like, walk under a ladder or step on a mirror or something? Something had to happen. Because, I mean, I probably could miss that many if, because, like, hey, millions of people are watching me, so I'll probably get nervous. But... Uh, yeah, but missing that main though, I I could hit one out of like twenty seven. I think. I hate to say it. I know we're transitioning to the Rockets. So the Rockets uh, acquired uh, Russell Westbrook because the other domino that fell. Actually, yeah, I guess we have to go. This, we we gotta go. We gotta go to the we to the go enforcer over. team first. Um, the Thunder referencing back, and I recently well, listened to. But, but go ahead. Well, so hold on. So. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard kind of dragged out his free agency for a while and basically, like the fucking OG that he is, uh, used it as leverage to force the Clippers to trade all those draft picks to get Paul George. Because, uh, I mean, you know, did he ever explicitly say this to them? Probably not, but I'm sure somehow made it known to the powers that be in the Clippers organization that, yo, I want somebody else really good to play with if I'm going to come here. And uh, so they went out and made it happen and acquired Paul George and uh, and Kawhi signed with the Clippers, which makes them, we'll get here, we'll get back here, but makes them, I think, the favorite for next year. <laughs> Do you but, think when they pulled that off, you think he laughed? Like, laughed when, when they... Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Kawhi Leonard... Uh, Alien being from another world piloting his flesh suit. <laughs> I always knew something about that was strange about him. He's yep. like Men in Black. <laughs> yep. The Men in Black. But uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> nobody wants to play for the Thunder. We I was listening uh, over episode twelve how we were talking about how Paul George wanted to stay and like play and like help. Uh, maybe and you somebody thought it was a over. terrible idea for him to stay. Well, and it, and it ended up becoming a terrible idea for like the Thunder because they didn't have him. Well, actually, they turned the draft picks. And well, stuff. they got lots of draft picks, but like, let's look. They back, lost though. Russ too, so <laughs> it's not nearly lamented as much as the Steelers. But so the Thunder at one point had Kevin Durant, James Harden, and um, Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook, and. All in Serge Ibaka, don't well, forget him. But well, I mean, he was an all he was an all star forward. But those three were head and shoulders above Serge Ibaka, even in his prime. But keep um, in mind, don't sleep on him, though. He helped Toronto win that championship too. But, but but you're correct, good player. Yes. But the point is, they had all three of those guys on the roster, and they blew at the it. same time. And that team, how on earth did that team not dominate? Like they were good. They were just and, young, and the. The Durant and and Russ version of that team made the finals at one point and got blitzed by the Heat, but yeah, how on earth did that team not win a ring? Like, and, and even without um, uh, the beard, they had a three-one lead against the uh, the Warriors and blew it. That too, and that's what made KD be like, "Fuck it, I'm going." <laughs> but yo, man, I. 
Such that, a waste of talent. That still blows my mind, and I, I still think back, and I'm like, why the hell did they trade Harden? Like, that still doesn't... I guess maybe Harden just didn't they, want that role, because he was the sixth man on that team, they, basically. I, I think they also lowballed um, him, too, in terms of money. Right, and they. I guess maybe they knew that they probably couldn't afford to pay all three of those guys max contracts nah, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but still, like, that's... I mean, I think they chose the wrong dude. Like... I don't know. I think they just straight up botched everything. Yeah. Like, and I mean, they didn't. They didn't exactly do a great job of building around those guys either. How do you only get like one years. finals appearance? Only one right. finals appearance. Um, I guess they also ran into the Spurs and they ran yeah. into this and that and and they're just like and then the Warriors and like, but yeah, I mean that was the end of an era for that. Error. <laughs> End of an error. I am for that, error. For that group because, yeah, none of those three guys are there anymore. Like, um, so, and now Harden and Russ. So that's the other thing. So the Thunder turned around and they traded Westbrook to the Rockets. So are they the Houston Thunder? The Houston Thunder Rockets? I guess. So now you have this weird thing where you have Russ and his inefficient shot making along with uh, Harden, Mr. Moriball. And with no... Who's all free throws and threes, and no, um, um, and and no Chris Paul, and yeah, they managed to unload Chris Paul as well. They unload him so he can rot somewhere now. And I am so bummed. I'm so sad because Chris Paul. I'm so bummed because I loved those. I know those commercials were only around for one year, but the James. I mean, we named an episode after that ad, dude. And well, Chris Paul's had those commercials for for a few years now. Well, yeah, and he'll have other guys on his new team to make those commercials. Yeah, he's had them for but, years. But, but since those commercials are no more, man. No more Trevor Reason. No oh. more Harden. No more, you know. And it makes me sad. Like, I created a song as an interlude for that episode, and I named that song James Harden's Face. And, <laughs> wow. Uh, and it's no more now. And it makes me very sad. Quote the, uh, quote the Raven, nevermore. Hmm. D with the literary reference. <laughs> Was that Edgar Allan Poe? Yeah. <laughs> nevermore, man. Look at you. <laughs> I mean, which, which one of us was an English major? Well, obviously this guy, because he, he can he can read a lot faster, and he um, he could type like a 20-page paper in probably like, you know, Three hours while I was still well, be on like like be on well, like no. just a few couple pages. I'm actually, a very slow reader, believe it or not. I'm a very man. I can't like like uh, as I digress. Like my girlfriend could probably like read like a hundred pages in like an hour, hour and a half. Good for her. It's insane, dude. Uh, secret. So, uh, me gainfully employed adult. Uh, you know how I got through college? I would read about half of a novel. And then Wikipedia the end. Spark note it. Remember Spark notes? No, not even Spark notes because I didn't want to pay money for it. I have Wikipedia the ending. Well, you gotta pay money for that now. You yeah. Pay. Yeah, you bought the little books of Spark notes. No, it was like they, they had like website. online. Yeah, they had websites where you could like read the. Uh, There's the Spark notes website. Oh, apparently I just suck ass at being an English major. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just being How a. No, just being no, just being a, no, just, being a uh, just being a lazy high schooler. That's Turns how out I didn't it. graduate, and I'm actually still in college right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for this week's detox. Yo, that shit is dope. <laughs> Yo, the lore continues. Man, so off the top of your bat too. <laughs> off the top of my bat. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be our baseball segment. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. I was been trying to come up with something for months, and then like the detox, detox. Uh, <laughs> so rewind it. What is the subject of this week's detox? Well, um, for our subject, it's going to be um, time and healing. Now, for for me, this is a. Uh, a personal subject matter, not not well, not just for me, but like people I have uh, I've been close to over the years and in my life, and seeing them uh, going through their lives. Um, in case uh, listeners don't know, I, I have uh, stated on the record before. Um, my dad did pass away um, years ago, um, like while I was in college, and it's hard to believe that 
it's last month it was eight years since he has been gone. Wow. Eight years. And Is it really? Yes. Twenty eleven? Yes. And it's wow. twenty nineteen. And when when I talk about time and healing, healing like uh, time takes healing and healing takes time. And for me, the first year was definitely one of the hardest years I, uh, I, is the hardest year I ever had to go through in my life because all the things like I took for granted of him just being there, you know, he was no longer there. And, you know, and that really, really sucked. Um, then year two rolled around, you know, it's still sore and everything, but it became e a little bit easier like those subsequent Christmases, Thanksgivings, all those holidays, where every time when his birthday came up, when my birthday came up, and him not being there, as time got uh, progressed and moved forward, the less and less sad I felt, and the less and less pain I felt, and me um, trying to press on, while keeping him my memories and stuff, and uh, just, just carrying on his legacy, but also continuing to live my life seemed like now those years have melted away and fast forward bam it's eight years and I can say that I have I'm like my most healed I've ever been like in terms of getting over that as I was telling you that pain never really goes away but it is what you choose to do with that pain and if you give it enough, if you give it enough time and enough attention to be like, okay, yes, I acknowledge I'm sad, but I want to take this, this feeling here, and I want to turn it into something else. Or I want to use this as fuel to progress uh, into my future. That that pain becomes like becomes less and less when you don't like hold on to it like that, hold on so tight. And you just let the healing do its do its magic, with um, letting time go by. And I mean, I've lost a lot of relatives, and uh, and time has been. Uh, it's it's hard to believe like so much time has gone by, and now I. Yes, there's like made like a little void there, but at the same time. I, I don't worry too much about that because, you know, those, I think about the memories, those are great, and I don't, I don't feel, you know, like, I feel less grief, I feel uh, a lot less pain, and I, I, overall, I feel, like, at peace with, with, with my losses because we, I know people now, especially recently, people have lost, you know, their fathers, so honestly, what seemed like a curse to me is actually kind of a blessing because A, it got me out of like his shadow and allowed me to start thinking about and actually working on being my own man, first off. And two, I can kind of be like a, a motivator or at least be like an example of people who are going through experiencing the similar pain that I have. Like seeing seeing people experience like freshly experience that type of pain I, I experienced like eight years ago, I mean it, it's it's fascinating. It, it's it's also sad, but at the same time, it like I feel good in a way because I've been there, and whenever people are ready, if they need someone to talk to, like I'm glad to be that because all that experience stuff made me stronger, and. And what I want to do with that experience is, and knowledge and wisdom, I want to spread that to people who need it at the right time. Only when they seek it out, I'm not going to like, you know, force people to accept it or try to seek people out. But I'm prepared and ready at any, at any time to like, to spread my knowledge and, and my experience to help, you know, help my fellow man out, to help people, you know, who have lost a parent. And uh, to help them through their their times and during their moments of grief, because those it's really tough. But to go through the stuff I've gone through, I feel much stronger. And 
and it wouldn't have been possible if I didn't take the time to process it and just let time go on, acknowledge it being there, but not letting it define me. Because there's people I know who never took the time to heal and are still hanging on to like a grudge or there's something still holding them back from like moving forward. And it and it and you can just see it. It takes time to heal if you know they're no longer in your life, whether it's in death or breakups. Um, to me, it's yeah, it it sucks, especially if you've known somebody for a while and they're no longer there. I just say for people who are going through that type of stuff now, for my experience of people who used to be there and who no longer are here, just allow yourself to hurt. But also allow yourself to let go of some of that anger or let go of some of that um, that anxiety or those negative feelings and let the time, let, let yourself and let the time heal you. Because when you hang on to something, when you hang on like, like hang on to grief or hang on to a grudge and choose not to heal it can be long and you can lose sight of the things that you have in front of you. May not in death, but that's what happened to me when I was at my job. Like I was so upset and so angry at my other job that I forgot everything that was in front of me, including like my girlfriend who was giving me all the encouragement in the world. I became bitter and that bitter that bitterness manifested and I just didn't want to I didn't want to be happy. I didn't I didn't want to uh I didn't want to try to be happy. I just wanted to just sit there and just wallow in my own misery. And it like takes over your life. It does. You know, it becomes like the only thing you can see. And it also becomes like an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to be happy because like I was, I had like this weird logic of if, if I'm happy, it's going to make time go by fast and I'm going to go right back to like my crappy job and I don't want to do that. Um, if I'm happy, then people don't understand how how bad it is. Yeah, yeah. And I used to just play it off as if it was not not a problem. But people who are real close to me, or like you know, like my girlfriend was real close to me, living with me every day, she could see that. And I became a per- turned into a person I didn't want want to be. And now, like I met, like, I much do grinding and stuff, and just. I had given up before, but then not giving up, then uh, not giving up any any longer. I end up, you know, having a getting a new job that's much better, um, and a much more you know better mental space. And in better spirits every time I see you. Yes, and and I just want to take that that energy, and I want to show people, hey, you can be in this in this spirit too, but I can't make you do it, like. It's the person's prerogative and it's, and it's their decision when they want to do that. The time time and healing. Healing is a choice. Like healing is a choice. You can, it's okay to choose not to heal right this minute and stuff. But sometimes you can only go so far without saying, hey, let me, let me heal. Because... When you see like wounds, like real heavy wounds, like real deep wounds, like in someone's leg, you have to get rid of the, the crappy stuff, the infectious yellow stuff, to let that stuff heal, heal inside and then and and then out. And sometimes we don't want to get our hands in, in the messy, icky stuff. Yeah. But if we want to heal those physical slash mental wounds, eventually we gotta get our hands dirty. Before it's work. That, Healing is work. It takes and it takes work. You, but that's sort of what I've discovered over my own process over these past year or so is that like you don't heal unless you put effort into healing. Mm-hmm. And that is hard. It is hard. It's hard, hard work. But I mean what you get on the other side is mm-hmm. peace. And some measure of perspective on what's happened to you. And you know, and you know, it coincides with all that. Patience. And what does patience take? Time. For people who are going through tough stuff right now, who have lost, uh, 
who lost loved ones, uh, who suffered through breakups or had had any um, any type of like physical or mental loss. Um, my encouragement is, you know, don't be afraid to like to feel grief. Don't don't be afraid to to be angry, but. You know, give yourself you know give yourself time for those like negative um, emotions because you know that actually is positive that yields positive results instead of just holding it in but I do encourage people to one day take that time to decide when you want to heal because you you have your you, you make you have your own create your own ceiling uh, and you can only go but so far when you don't choose to tackle like certain things like those deep rooted issues but once you do like it it can open like a whole new world but I can't make people do it and I can only just speak from my personal experience um, like I'm not a dictator I'm not gonna say hey you need to do this or else so I can't really judge about hey I would do this or hey I would do that like you know, if if I could do that, I I be winning Nobel Peace Prizes, but human nature does not work that way, and we're complex individuals who have our own thought processes and the way we and our own outlooks, the way we see things, the way we cope with things, yes. and it it all it, it takes takes the time to figure out our own personal formulas see what works for us what doesn't work for us if you want to heal or if we do want to heal when we want to heal it's all about like the right timing for ourselves like you don't have to heal because someone tells you to and there's no deadlines on that the the key is you want to heal and want to allow the time for you to heal and to move forward and that allows as Dan said allows like the work to be processed and to come through to yeah to build yourself up so it doesn't it, happen unless you allow it to happen mm -hmm. and frankly at least in my case put effort in yeah it's it's um it's like an oven <laughs> cooking on 350 versus a microwave <laughs> Like you want things to get heated up and cooked thoroughly, that's our hearts, minds, and spirits. Yeah, microwaving it, it warms it up on the surface. But have you ever dove your spoon or fork in, like down the bottom, and you eat that part that's still cold? Yeah, no, that's gross. Yes, that's gross. So that's where the time comes in. Like that healing is that proper heating of all your food. Yeah, to make it delicious. And you want to make your life delicious. That's putting in the putting in like the slow heated work and the time and just giving yourself a chance. That's where the healing part comes in. Yes. Giving your chance, to, giving yourself a chance to heal and allowing yourself the time to heal. And I think with people going through stuff like that, that is, it's really hard because people want to get over things now, or maybe some people just don't want to get over things at all. But yeah, for for me, it's I can understand where people are coming from. I might not be able to understand exactly, but I can understand some of those symptoms. And just from one person to uh, whoever is listening, I just want to say, you guys who are going through a, a hard time, um, you know, I'm praying for you guys for your strength. Um, in your your physical, mental, and spiritual strength, that you guys will find a way, like find a way out of your situation and move forward and press on, and uh, that I believe in you guys and don't give up. Like don't give up, even when it seems like all hope is lost. Don't give up because you got uh, you got people that's rooting for you. Like, if you don't have anyone else rooting for you, uh, just let you know, uh, D with two E's from this uh, Danvers D Sports Stuff podcast is, uh, is at your corner rooting for you. So, 
I know that was kind of long-winded because I didn't know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> but you always find your way home. That's that's just I'm that's just kind of how I I feel for my heart. So yeah, that's why I like at the end to just kind of. It's funny that that was never a planned thing. That was just a thing you did uh, in like the beginning episodes, and then it kind of became a thing. And then I was just like, you know what? I kind of like just like opening up some time for you to just speak from the heart because you always you just always seem to kind of find a thread and then follow it to its conclusion and uh it's uh it's always lovely to listen to my friend i appreciate that man uh seems so trite to just wrap up from there but uh same to all of you you know we've all we've all had our things over the years um, mm-hmm. I know I certainly have, but mm-hmm. uh, we're both rooting for you, and I hope that you've uh, you've gotten some chuckles and some smiles, and maybe even some catharsis from uh, from our recording here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, take care, all of you. It's been uh, it's been a fun. Yes, and um, you know you always got to send out your line, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could just hug you all, but I'm not gonna. But someday, he will. Yes, all of you, every single one of you. I would want to someday do a TED Talk. You should. Someday. Um, I just gotta like make sure like I don't get so nervous talking uh, talking to strangers but we'll call it a detox man detox oh my god that's the name that's of the it segment. that's the name of the segment that's it's it. called detox <laughs> <laughs> Yo.